You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. Where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. I'm your host, Jessica. Yep, it's me. I'm back, listeners, and excited to bring you today's episode with Michael Inahosa. Michael is the superintendent of schools in Dallas, Texas. It's the town he grew up in, the same town his kids went to school in, and where he taught and coached for many years. It's a big, rapidly improving school district with 155,000 students and 230 schools. Inahosa has a thoughtful board, a strong team, and is in his 10th year as superintendent. All reasons education in Dallas keeps getting better. Let's listen in as Tom talks with Dr. Inahosa about what's going right in Dallas. Michael Inahosa, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Did you grow up in Dallas? I was. I was a student in Dallas. I was an immigrant, but I moved to Dallas when I was very young, and I grew up in Dallas. I was a student in Dallas, and then came back as a teacher in Dallas, but I couldn't even get an interview for an assistant principal in Dallas. I had to go learn the administrative world somewhere else and then come back. It, so it must be, um, I don't know, it must be a real privilege to be superintendent in your, in your hometown. Yes, it is. It's been it's been quite a run. It's really fun. I know this community so well, um, from the neighborhoods to the schools to the to the politics. It's just something that's part of my DNA, and it's great to be. Uh, it's really rewarding to be the superintendent where I grew up. So, I think some of our listeners may not appreciate that with Fort Worth, um, Dallas. Metroplex, probably the biggest city in the South, and you, you have a huge district, like 155,000 kids. Correct. We have 155 schools. Yeah, exactly. We have 230 schools, 155,000 students, and when you complete include the Metroplex, we're the fourth largest metropolitan yeah. area in the country. So um, you, and another thing people don't know is um, huge number of Fortune 500 companies here, third only to New York and Chicago. Absolutely. Do any of those CEOs appreciate how complicated your job is? Well, I think they've um, they've started developing an appreciation. In fact, yeah. in fact, Toyota recently moved to town, and their CEO is helping us with bringing some of their best in class uh, process uh, reengineering to, and they've they've donated it pro bono, uh, and he's very involved in our Dallas. Uh, regional chamber and so so are we and so we've made some connections and now we have actually seven over 75 industry partners um very few are at the ceo level but their teams are really engaged with us as industry partners in our p-tech schools so i think there's a lot of natural synergy that's happening now we'll come back and talk about um p-tech but just as you think about leading this huge district in a big community, how do you think about the work? How do you think about spending your time? What are your personal priorities as you lead the district? Well, first of all, you got to know the district. So one of the things I learned as a baby superintendent that you got to have the board, the staff, and the community all going in the same direction to be able to accomplish things. So I, I spend time in all three areas of the triangle. Um, every what, what people don't appreciate is all three of those are kind of full-time jobs, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is, but you can make it fun. Um, yeah. Like on Mondays are my senior staff days and on Wednesdays are my school days. I still go to schools every Wednesday for 24 years. Uh, and then on Thursdays are my board meeting days and then individual meetings with board members and retreats and then the rest of the time in the community. So I very strategically 
organize my time around my work. And so I think that's just helped me kind of manage things. And then coming back to Dallas, I also learned that, you know, strategic planning, I don't really believe in that because we don't know where we're going to be five years from now. But I do believe in strategic thinking. And how I define that is in the next 18 months, I know exactly where we're going to be. And every quarter, we pierce the next quarter so things become more clearly. So we developed some strategic initiatives on my return to Dallas that we started focusing on. And we funded those strategic initiatives first. And then we funded everything else after that. And so I think that's really helped us have some success. Let's start with uh, little kids. You've you've made early learning a priority. Why why is that, and what are you what are you doing there? Well, early learning is one of our strategic initiatives, and we we have a fiscal note that we needed about four to six million dollars of new money every year to make sure that we had full day pre K for all four year olds and half day for all three year olds that we could. And if we had to, we could we would partner with individual daycares and have a certified teacher in those daycares so that. When you're, we never apologize for our demography, but our students are 90% economically disadvantaged, 95% ethnic minority, and they don't grow up with a book. Uh, and so if we can find ways to get them exposure, uh, it's the best long-term strategy for breaking the, uh, the, the cycle of poverty. But if you start with community partners and helpers and have it as an initiative, you're going to have great payoff in the long run. But we're also now... Now that we started this for several years, now we have students now at third grade. And our students that go to pre-K outperform kids that never been exposed to pre-K significantly. And so we know it's a, a viable long-term investment. At the high school level, you have quite a few different kinds of high schools, uh, many different options for young people. Why do you support public school options? Well, because... Um, Parents vote with their feet, and um, so we decided to believe in in public school choice. And what we've done is we've replicated some of the good ideas and even some of the great ideas from charter schools, and we've made them our own. We have our own. We have an outstanding research and evaluation department. We have now an outstanding uh, office of transformation and innovation. And at our high schools, um, we have found a way to make P-TECH a choice, and we have 10,000 rising freshmen, and over half of them every year apply to go to our P-TECs that may or may not be in their neighborhood. But they are part of the Dallas ISD, and so we've put a strategy behind yeah. those where they can get some significant learning and accomplishments right. in that process. Yeah, that's super exciting. We should back up and tell people what a P-TEC is. So it started, I think it has the roots in, in early college, which makes... Um, makes it possible for young people to earn an associate degree. But what's the added benefit of a PTEC? It's a three-legged stool. You're exactly right, Tom. Uh, part of it is the high school, and uh, and um, we've taken the early college model as part of that high school. So uh, the second part of the stool is the community college, and we have a great partner here in Dallas County Community College District. Uh, and then the third part of it, of the stool, is the PTEC that was started in New York that we've taken to scale. Is now where you're paired with an industry partner, and we have 75 industry partners uh, from American Airlines to uh, AT&T to Accenture uh, to some smaller outfits that have 
now partner with our kids. And our, the promise is that you get an associate's degree for free and you're paired up with an industry partner and you can learn the industry and uh, have a chance to get a living wage when you graduate from high school. And what we're most exciting about it is what we learned from New York, what is, we're very confident will happen here is the persistence rates. Once a once an urban kid gets an associate's degree, now they can taste the bachelor's degree. And we think that over 70% of our kids will persist and go on to get a bachelor's. If not, they can go into the world to work with an industry partner right away making a living wage. That is, um, that's so exciting. And how, how many P-Techs do you have now? We're, we're going to have 25 next year. We have 23 right now. We're going to 25. We're adding two more next year. So we're at every comprehensive high school except one. Wow. And then we have several standalones. That is, um, that is such an exciting development. Um, it's probably, probably the most P-Techs in any urban area in the country. You're probably up there with, with uh, New York City now. Yeah, actually, New York only has one or two. We've gone yeah. to scale. Wow. There are several in Texas, but we have a super majority of them. And now the blueprint is being taken to other states. It is, uh, it's so exciting because, as you said, it's um, a, a rapid and affordable path through college and uh, to a, a great employment opportunity. So. And I think what happens for urban children, and the community college chancellor have to give him credit for this, is we don't fumble the handoff anymore. We don't fumble the handoff from high school to community college, from community college to four-year institution to the world of work. Hey, let's let's talk about that. Um, DSISD is part of the Dallas County Promise. And and I think as an urban area, Dallas County Promise is probably the best initiative in America where there's this amazing... Uh, regional partnership around more kids graduating high school, more filling out financial aid forms, more going on to college, uh, and as you said, not fumbling the hand up. Great partnerships with community college and and uh, and higher ed. What what has the partnership with Dallas County Promise meant to your district? I think the only criticism that we got from P-Tech is what about the rest of the kids in the high school? Yeah. And that's where the Dallas County Promise has been so phenomenal because for all of our kids, uh, even if they're not in the P-TECH program, they can get an associate's degree for free and now many partner institutions, even a bachelor's degree. And But you have to have a pledge. You have to uh, fill out your FAFSA. Most of our kids qualify for all kinds of grants. And so now it takes away affordability as an excuse uh, to be able to finish college and they're actually going to be debt free. But the Promise has been a great partner uh, in our, I think we were the catalyst. They even say, you know, because of our initiative, they were able to start on second base. And so, um, but it has been tremendous support for our students. And I think it's going to really help uh, Dallas um, stay at the top of the heap on on economic development and other things. That's great. Um, let's talk about teachers. Um, what's your view on teacher preparation and development? Well, you know, we need teachers and we need them from everywhere. So we're very excited to have um, multiple initiatives in teacher preparation and development. We have Teach for America. We also have urban teachers. We also work with our community, with our with our uh, four-year institutions. But we've also, four of our P-TECs are 
future teacher development. So we're growing our own teachers, and we have a huge need. We have 45% English learners, so we have a huge need for bilingual teachers. So we're taking our students and turning them into bilingual teachers. It's going to take a while for them to go through that pipeline. Um, and then for the current teachers that we have, of course, we really upgraded our professional development department. And um, so we're trying to make uh, the, the art better. But we also are different in the fact that we have a pay for performance thing that's actually working. And we can have a teacher, um, a great teacher, stay in the classroom and make, you know, we have over 400 teachers that are making over $80,000 a year. And you can make six figures as a teacher in Dallas if you stay with it, yeah. if you deliver, uh, and if you go to a hard-to-staff school. So we've, oh, those are in hard-to-staff? Those are in hard-to-staff schools, yes. And that's been part of our turnaround uh, a strategy that's been also successful in um, getting our best teachers, since we have this pay-for-performance, we, we know who they are, and then getting them to go to underperforming schools. They've had uh, an amazing success rate in turning those schools around. Um, I'm in town because we've been working with some of your schools on formative assessment. You've, uh, DSISD, uh, along with Austin ISD and the Tulsa Public Schools, have been working together to improve formative assessment. Uh, maybe more broadly, how does the district work with teachers to try to improve their practice? Well, we've been very fortunate uh, to be able to have this opportunity and our formative assessments are, are very predictive. So we don't have surprises uh, at the end of the year. And uh, it can identify where the students are, are, are struggling and then help provide interventions for those students. And it's also very predictive where we're going to end up. So at the end of the year, when we get our accountability ratings, we never have a surprise. We know kind of where we were going to be. And in fact, we have to make decisions for the following year. And we take formative data, formative assessment information that helps us make those decisions about how we're going to strategically staff or how we're going to turn around or boost schools. But right. if we didn't have that tool, we would just be floundering and we wouldn't be able to no. predict where we need to go and then how we provide, where, how and where we provide interventions. No. You, you talked about um, the, the rating system. I guess more broadly, Texas probably has... Um, the strongest or one of the strongest test-based accountability systems of, of any state in the country. Uh, many other states have sort of backed away from that. Uh, from your standpoint, what are the pros and cons of the, the state tests and the accountability system here? Well, um, the state test is, is, in my opinion, a, a, a necessary evil, so to speak, um, because if you don't really know where your students are in comparison to others, you really don't know how you're going to move them forward. And while this, we've been doing this for a long time in Texas, they kid us that we're the godfathers of accountability. We, we put this together and went national with No Child Left Behind. But, but I do see a lot of benefit in it. But we're very fortunate also that we have a local accountability system that the state has allowed us to integrate. And 50% of it is based on state accountability. The other 50% is on what we believe in, and we believe in growth. So we have another instrument, 30% of that is our, our school effectiveness index, which is a growth model. How much do you grow a gifted kid, and how much do you grow a kid who's never passed before? Teachers and schools get credit for that. But then we also believe in voice. The other uh, 20% is how do the culture, how do the students feel, how do the teachers feel, how do the parents feel, and then we also believe 
because our employers want students who can function in teams. We also have another 5% of our uh, accountability system based on the percent of students in, involved in extracurricular activities and involved in, in our robotics teams have grown exponentially because we've been involved in extracurricular. So we've taken the best of state accountability and then layered on top of it our own school performance framework that includes these other assets because we believe in the whole child. But the base has to be on accountability. You can't throw out accountability. But we've just made it work where we, we uh, believe in the whole child. Of course, we have a district-wide social-emotional learning initiative going on as well. So we've taken the best of both worlds and try to make them work here in Dallas. You're developing a, a race equity agenda. What's that about? Yeah, uh, racial equity is, going, is one of our new strategic initiatives. And we have found a way. We've been doing some things. Uh, like putting our most resources in our underperforming schools. We, have, we happen to have the most African-American students, which is our lowest performing student group. Now we've moved the needle for those. But now we're being more conscious. We have uh, another initiative, uh, FAIR, uh, funds to uh, achieving racial equity. We have a new program called CAP, Creating Accelerating Performance. And we're taking our students who are underperforming, we're giving them more resources, and we're giving them strategy, and we've identified and we've called it out. And we also have an Office of Racial Equity that helps us monitor the, our, our programming district-wide to improve this initiative uh, district-wide. We're in the formative stages of it all right now, but we are committed to making that happen. Uh, and so, so far we've had some early wins, but we have a long way to go. You seem like you're still excited about doing this work. I am. I'm 62 years old. I love coming to work every day. So uh, uh, this is my 24th year as superintendent, and uh, we've had an opportunity to, to move the needle under some tough circumstances. Yeah. And, and we've been able to persevere with some things that other people have maybe not been able to deliver on. But it takes a lot of people. I have the most talented senior team I've ever had. Uh, now we have our, a board that is going to be more supportive of of our initiatives, but the most amazing part of it is that the community stepped up. The community um, raised uh, 13 cents on the tax rate uh, to fund some of our strategic initiatives because they saw the success um, uh, that we're having. So it's a, it's a good time to be in Dallas, and it's, it's been fun get, being back here in the saddle. You know, let, let's talk about the facilities for just a minute. Uh, you, you, you're closing out a 2008 bond, and you're, you're launching into a, a new bond. Um, what uh, what have you learned about um, the learning environment that is important, and why have you made that a, a priority to try to update the, your physical plants? Yeah, absolutely. We we had a 08 bond, and when I came back in '15, we did another bond. Although we did not have a, a long range master plan to do it, I kind of inherited that plan. But now we've done that. We've done a long-range technology plan, and a long-range facilities plan. Even though our enrollment is is slightly declining, uh, our buildings are aged. And when you go into urban America, a lot of our buildings are old and tired, as I right. like to say. And so we're modernizing all of our buildings with the right type of equipment, the right kind of learning spaces. In all of our P-TECs, we have modern furniture that you would see in the workspace. 
Uh, and so we, we think that these students need to have exposure to those uh, opportunities while they're in school. And the community supported us on all of our bond elections, so we're going back with another big ask in 2020 for uh, finishing out and funding and implementing those master plans that we have. Uh, for you personally, how do you how do you keep learning about this work? What uh, in your personal learning or the the affiliations that you're part of? Um, what what keeps you fresh and um, informed about the work you're trying to do? I get my energy off of other superintendents and other leaders, and so I. I'm, I'm very much involved in the Council of the Great City Schools. We also started the Texas Urban Council, similar to a group that's in California. We learn from each other, but we also all have access to other providers, which are some philanthropic, some that are that are just think tanks. And so we we have an opportunity to see what else is we scan we scan what's happening all over the country, and and some things that we're creating on our own. We take an idea and we make it ours. But I think that when you stay active and engage with other people, um, you learn what works for your environment. I, as I coach young people, I tell them all the time, are you going to be a leader? You got you to gotta do you, but it's not about you. So you got to go pick up things and make things work for your system, um, but don't ever think that it, this is all about you. It's about the organization that you serve. Michael Hinojosa, thanks for joining us on the Getting Smart Podcast. Thanks, thanks, Tom. Thank you to Dr. Inahosa for joining us on today's episode. For more on good governance and innovation in Texas schools, listen in to Season 2, Episode 72 with El Paso Superintendent Juan Cabrera. We've got it linked in the show notes and on the blog. Also, be sure to leave us a rating. We love reading your feedback and it helps more leaders and education innovators follow us. That's it for today, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Jessica signing out.